Welcome back to this week's episode of Spread Talk. We are back for the first time since week nine of the NFL season. Had a little hiatus, but uh, with the draft this past weekend, we figured now as now is as good a time as any other to uh, start it back up. And uh, with some new personal news, you can check out our episodes on a pretty regular basis on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As of today, we are recording on May 7th. 2021 um so yeah no longer uh you guys no longer have to go through soundcloud to get our content you can go through uh, some more conventionally accepted avenues to listen to podcasts so that's pretty cool anyways my name is isaac krakoka and i'm will Kuypers. and we've got a very fun show for you guys today we're going to talk some draft coverage uh talk about some of the more interesting picks in the first round um we'll talk some browns draft um we will talk some Browns offseason, how Andrew Barry has really done a lot to improve the Browns secondary. I think make them into legitimate contenders. And we'll round the episode off by talking a little Cleveland baseball, uh, division leading Cleveland baseball, that is, as of May yes, 7th, I don't know when you'll be listening to this. Maybe by the time you listen to this, they're fourth in the division, but hopefully not. Anyways, let's get started. So. I don't think there's a lot to talk about with the number one overall pick. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, five-star athlete, number one quarterback, number one prospect in 2018. He's been the number one overall pick consensus for two years. Don't outthink the room. Jackson made the right choice, you know? Yep. You can't, you can't overthink that pick. That's, that's an easy one. I think the draft started getting fun um, as early as the second pick, though, because for like a month and a half, the Jets have been hell-bent on Zach Wilson. And I'll start out with a spicy take. We're bringing the show back. I need to get the fire going. I obviously do not root for anyone's failure. That would suck of me. Like, that's just a bad thing to do. Um, But out of the quarterback class, out of uh, Trevor, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones, I think Zach Wilson has the highest possibility to bust. And here's why. Here's why. Here's why. So, He is a rookie quarterback, right? That obviously puts him at a bad disposition, but he is not in a position where he has the opportunity to sit behind quarterbacks. Like if we're looking at the 2018 draft class, Baker sat behind Tyrod Taylor and Lamar sat behind uh, Joe Flacco. Flacco. I forget who, I forget who um, Josh Allen was behind. He was behind somebody, right? Um, I believe so. Nathan Peterman. I don't know if it was maybe Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley. I don't know. He's behind some point is he wasn't asked to start week one. Um, Zach Wilson will be asked to start week one with a rookie head coach. And I I mean, who knows if Robert Sala can coach, I would imagine he can because the San Francisco defense has been elite for a while now in recent history, at least the last Mm -hmm. three years, but obviously defensive head coach, drafting a quarterback. You don't know how that'll transition. And furthermore, Zach Wilson is in a division coached by three of, I would say the top five defensive coaches in the league in Sean McDermott, Bill Belichick, and Mm -hmm. Brian Flores. I mean, Belichick's the best coach. I'd I'd have to agree. Yeah. Sean McDermott um, took the bills to an ASC championship game last year. And Brian Flores was in the finalist for coach of the year this year so yeah i don't know his pro day looked like zach wilson's pro day looked fine like sure but like i would hope it 
would look good. He is a first-round quarterback. If he's not making throws to open receivers, then that's a problem, you know? So I don't know. That's my take on Zach Wilson. I hope he does well because the New York football Jets being good is good for the NFL. But yeah. What's your take on? Um, so I actually have the complete opposite take on Zach Wilson. I think he's going to struggle early on. So I'm, I'm with you on that part, but I do think he has one of at least top two of highest ceilings in this draft class in terms of quarterbacks. Okay. I think if he puts it all together, his ceiling isn't going to be Patrick Mahomes. That's for sure. But he could be like, a smaller, I guess, quicker Josh Allen. Um, the arm he can, strength he can is sling there. it. Yeah. yeah. No, oh, yeah. He can sling it. Um, I just – I don't think the Jets have enough weapons around him right now and a defensive head coach. Um, I could see the Jets playing a lot of ball control offense this year. So I don't think he'll put up gaudy numbers. Um, I think they'll try and use him as more of a game manager. I could be very wrong. Um, but I don't think that's going to be – what he really needs to be used as a game manager. I think he's better suited as a gunslinger, um, almost like Baker was his rookie year. Um, When he came in and he was, you know, he had that swagger and he was throwing the ball all over the place with accuracy, poise, all that stuff. Um, But in all, I think he, I think he might struggle a bit this year um, because there will be a learning curve for uh, Sala um, in terms of, he's never had a head coach job before. Um, it'll be a learning curve for him. It'll be a learning curve for the rookie quarterback. And I just don't think there's enough weapons on the offense this year, but I think if he shows enough promise, they're going to go out and get some, some really good um, offensive weapons for him next year. And then that's when you'll start to see his career kind of take off. Yeah, I agree. And a um, couple things. I was listening to an interview with TJ Hushmanzada. Um, and he has, I think it was TJ Hushmanzada. Uh, I don't know if I'm wrong. I will mea culpa it in the description, but, um, he said that Zach Wilson, it like has the natural athleticism to, you know, be doing like windmill dunks in the gym and obviously be able to throw like 60 yards on a dot. So the athleticism and the body makeup is not the problem. Um, it's just when he played elite competition in college, he kind of struggled. And so I'm wondering how that translates to the NFL. Maybe it's because BYU's receivers couldn't get open. Maybe it's because BYU didn't have a developed offensive line. Maybe it's not on him, but I'd be interested to see how it like, how it all plays out. I don't know. Um, but I hope yeah, he's going to do well, which the problem is you're asking him to be uh, Justin Herbert with that arm talent and that athleticism the Chargers had no offensive line, like at 31st in the league or something like that. Um, you're asking mm-hmm. him to overcome that. And I don't know if he can, I hope he can. Justin Herbert obviously could. I didn't, you know, I didn't know how he'd play, but also Justin, Justin Herbert though, on this topic, he was on an entirely different level um, in terms of studying the playbook and extra work. Um, sure. And I just haven't really heard that much about that with Zach Wilson. Yeah, no, we'll see. Um, yeah, not to spend too much time on Zach Wilson to open up the show, but yeah, I think that was a good discussion. Um, yeah, we'll hop down to number three, Trey Lance. Uh, I think, well, if I'm, if I'm San Francisco and I hear that, okay, Trevor Lawrence, fine. We're not getting him. We were never going to get him. The jets come out in April adamantly in favor of Zach Wilson. 
or in March, even we've known Zach Wilson was going to the jets for months. I am thanking New York for letting the number two quarterback in Justin Fields drop for, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when Justin Fields was the number two quarterback on the board, right. For all of the last mm-hmm. years, like it's crazy how, um, kind of scrutinized Justin Fields was after games ended. I mean, I don't know if you remember him absolutely dunking on Clemson and dropping 50 with yeah. a rib. Like, I don't know. I If I'm San Francisco, I thank the Jets for letting Justin Fields slip. But I think Trey Lance is a better fit than Mac Jones. Um, yeah. I, need, I, I think Shanahan needs a quarterback who can at least move around a little bit. Yes. Yeah, well yeah. What's your take on this, on this pick? Call me an Ohio State a homer if you want, but um, but I think I think it was a mistake by everyone in those or for the Jets and um, 49ers to let him fall past the third pick. Um, I don't think there was any reason he should have fell past that, and I thought he would have been a great fit for uh, Shanahan's offense. He can move around the pocket. He can make the downfield throws with accuracy. He's he's a weapon. Um, I mean, in all. I agree with you. Trey Lance is a better pick for them than like a Mac Jones or, and I know Kyle Trask, you know, his draft stock fell rightfully so um, before the draft um, after the season, but he, Trey Lance is a much better fit than they would have been. Um, albeit, I don't believe he was as great a fit as Fields would have been. That's, that's what I'm saying. And he's a very raw prospect. He's a North Dakota state mm-hmm. quarterback. He, I don't think he's going to be ready to start day one. That's why they haven't shopped Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, yeah. And say what you want about Jimmy G. He did get that team to a Super Bowl, and he is talented when he's on the field. There would have been a team that would have called San Francisco and said, we'll give you a third for Jimmy. Uh, but they didn't. Yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure they were asked about it. Um, I know he took them to, uh, to a Super Bowl, but you have to think um, – what was it 2016? I believe. Um, no, maybe after that. I'm not sure. Um, but wasn't it Blake Bortles who took the Jags deep in the playoffs? And in 2017, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2017, yeah. Uh, so you can say what say all you want about them leading them deep in the playoffs, but let's be honest, both those teams relied so heavily on on the. Oh defense. yeah, a lot of that was system play. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not disputing that. Uh, all I'm saying is if Chicago, and we'll get to that, if Chicago didn't trade up, I would bet, I mean, I'd rather have Jimmy G than Andy Dalton. I, I feel like that's not that hot of a take. And that's a freezing cold take. <laughs> really? In my opinion. Yeah. So it's just very obvious. <laughs> yeah. There, there would have been a suitor for Jimmy G, uh, but they chose to not shop him. So here. I think the, the 49ers season will go one of three ways at the quarterback position after about five or six games. One of three things can happen. A you win with Jimmy Garoppolo. You're sitting like five and one. You're at the top of the best division in football. And that's the, that's the goal, right? Like you're fine. And you let Trey Lance develop even more because even if Jimmy wins this year, you drafted a quarterback three overall for a reason. He still has a higher ceiling than Jimmy, but if you're winning after five or six games, then don't change it. If it's not broken, because you are still a Super Bowl team, accrue your wins. B you lose with Jimmy Garoppolo and you bring Trey Lance in around five or six games. You're asking him to pick up some of the slack from the lost games, but I think he is talented enough and the weapons around him are elite enough. And the defense is 
obviously incredible. I think you can win with Trey Lance and even get to a wild card if you ask him to start five or six games in. And I think that could happen. Yeah. Um, thirdly, I think it could. <clears throat> the weapons are they're crazy. They are very good. They, an embarrassment of riches almost. Absolutely. And they're all on very affordable, like team-friendly deals. Mm-hmm. As is a lot of that team, except for Trent Williams um, and Jimmy G, I guess. But that team is very well financed. Uh, we can get into yeah. that maybe on another episode, but they're mm-hmm. looking pretty for the future too. Uh, third case scenario, Jimmy cannot get through five or six games physically, uh, which is mm-hmm. the worst case scenario for the Niners. Because this has happened twice already when Jimmy got hurt within the first three games of the season. It's not that he's getting hurt week 17 or week 16, like wear and tear on the body. He gets hurt early, which is what's derailed the Niners. Like yeah. he's, not a, he's not a late season injury that they can bring back for the playoffs. He gets hurt early and then they're in too deep of a hole that they can't recover. That's the worst yeah. scenario for the Niners, in my opinion, because now he has no trade value. Um, mm-hmm. He might be able to get a seventh, like a sixth or a seventh. But not only for that reason would that be worst case scenario in my opinion, but also because that would mean Jimmy Jimmy G is taking all the first team reps all off season, right? And then if he goes down week one or week two, Trey Lance doesn't have those reps to be able to step in and contribute at a high level. You're very right. Um, But if I'm Trey Lance, I look at this scenario and I say, "This is very good for me as a prospect." Um, So if I'm Trey Lance, I'm sitting pretty. But I I think Mm -hmm. that's one of the three avenues, like that's what will happen for the Niners at the quarterback position. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Trey Lance can't play, but they wouldn't take him at three if he can't play. So, you know, he at least knows what a football is. We Uh, can confirm that. We agree. Um, Okay. Uh, The next prospect that I want to talk about fifth overall Jamar chase or fourth overall. Was it fifth? It was, Um, it was four. Oh, uh, Kyle Pitts. Uh, Pitts. Uh, Kyle Pitts will hit. He's the best tight end yeah. in recent history since like Tony. Gonzalez. Darren Waller, but better. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, he'll hit. I'm excited to see what he does. He's a quarterback that can sling it. I don't question that pick at all. The yeah. fifth pick, Jamar Chase. Uh, I'll let you. I'll let you start this one off. I look. I I get that it's important that you know you have quarterback wide receiver chemistry. Um, but that being said, wide receiver was, I would say it was one of the few things that it wasn't necessary for Cincinnati. It was to, one of the few things Cincinnati did well. Yeah, it was one of the few things they didn't need to address um, with very, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. And, yeah, in a very, they have, they have very, weapons. very deep wide receiver class. Like Rondale mm-hmm. Moore fell to the second round. Uh, so yeah. did um, Elijah Moore. Like those were both second round draft picks. So, oh, yeah. And since he was picking at the top of the draft, so they could have gotten a, an elite wide receiver later. But sorry, yeah. your point. I just wanted to throw that out there. But um, so, yeah, they have pretty much just great talent at receiver. Um, and not not just that there was depth in the draft. Um, a name that sticks out to me there is um, Amon Ross St. Brown uh, later in the draft and also Amari Rogers. I think they could have gotten them. And they would have fit in pretty well. Um, but Panay Sewell, he is one of the best tackle prospects to come out in the last five years. I mean, we were talking least. about him like if he came out last year, like if he was eligible, he would have been the number one tackle last year. And that's when mm-hmm. there was like Mekhi Beck and, and Andrew Thomas and uh, that guy and Tristan Wirfs. Like 
that's those are four elite rookie tackles and Penny Sewell was mm-hmm. higher than all of them. So yeah, that's crazy. That's and it's I mean. and for a team that needs all of that offensive line help, they need to get Joe Burrow some protection. Uh, I don't I don't see how you pass up on that for a position you're already pretty deep at. Um if, if the Bengals keep ignoring the offensive line, uh, Joe Burrow, I hate to say it, he'd end up, he'd end up Tim Couch 2.0. Tim Couch showed promise, but, you know, he, was, he got sacked 50, 60 times a year. He was, he was running for his life back there. Yeah, he was on and that's just, that yeah. is just not good for longevity. I mean, so that at, could negatively impact Burrow. He's going to follow the same, if that happens, I think he might follow the same career trajectory as Andrew Luck. Obviously, Andrew mm-hmm. Luck took the Colts to an AFC championship game his rookie year, right? Like, I'm not insinuating that Joe Burrow is that transcendent of a prospect. I am saying, however, that they are both Pro Bowl caliber quarterbacks in their first three years. I think if Joe Burrow doesn't mm-hmm. hurt, he's knocking on a Pro Bowl nomination next year. I think he is that talented. Um, yeah. I mean, you don't need to overthink the room. He is an incredibly good prospect. I'm just afraid that what happened in Indianapolis you know, they had T.Y. Hilton and they had wide receivers. That was never the problem. Their offensive line was bad for years. And Andrew Luck was on his butt all the time. I'm afraid that'll happen to Joe Burrow. And finally, once the Colts addressed offensive line with Quentin Nelson, among others, Andrew Luck was 29 and ready to retire. So, Yeah, because at that point, the damage was already done. Yeah, yeah. And I hope, as a Joe Burrow fanboy, as we're both Joe Burrow fans, mm-hmm. um, I hope that doesn't happen. But we'll see. Um, maybe maybe Zach Taylor can drop some more play-action-friendly schemes. I think Joe Burrow is athletic enough to roll the pocket. And with the weapons oh, he yeah. has, I think that could be pretty exciting. So that'll keep mm-hmm. him out of harm's way. Um, I kept Baker out of harm's way. Uh, if you can design some rollouts and take a little bit of the pressure off of Joe Burrow's shoulders, I think that'll be healthy for him. Okay. Um, the next pick I want to talk about is Micah Parsons. We can talk about yeah. the picks at corner for both the Broncos Panthers. and the Panthers, both of which were fine. In my opinion, I'm surprised the Broncos didn't go quarterback, but I'm not John Elway. So <laughs> maybe they have more faith in Drew Locke. I don't know. I think the, the, maybe when you miss on a certain amount of quarterbacks, then you kind of just have to hit, hit the brakes for a couple of years. Yeah. And make sure you get the top one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. They're in a division with Mahomes, uh, Justin Herbert. And I think Derek Carr is pretty good. Um, you're going in with clearly the fourth best quarterback. I think they might win four games, but at least they got a good corner. Uh, but that brings yeah. me to the Micah Parsons pick with, with Dallas and, I'll take the lead on this one. He is Micah Parsons was the best overall defensive prospect in the draft. I am not going to question that. A lot of mocks had him going like six or seven, um, which I would have understood. Oh yeah. But, uh, and so I, I think that's why Jerry took him because he was sliding and he was like, I have value with this pick. And that's all Jerry cares about getting players with high value. Not with- The Cowboys like to go best player available. Yeah. It they seems didn't like with most of them, they did it with CD. Yeah. <laughs> so I, and I mean, Zeke turned out to be a great player. Don't get me wrong. He was overdrafted. I think he yeah. was taking like fourth overall or something. Third. I think. That yeah. Was- and- yeah. But he just, he just hasn't developed as one would think after those great first couple of years. 
Exactly. So anyways, this brings me back to my Micah Parsons beef. Dallas does a lot of things wrong on defense. And I think they would have been in the market for a corner had JC Horn or Patrick Sertain fallen. Um, but since their top two corners were off the board, I'm surprised uh, they didn't give Greg Newsom a call. I feel like he would have fit their scheme. Well, we'll get to that. I'm happy they didn't, but mm-hmm. um, that Dallas defense does a lot of things poorly. The one thing they do well is linebacker. Like they, they do their linebackers fine. I mean, I think Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith are not only serviceable, I think they are a top 12 or 13 linebacker room in the NFL. And as the 30th ranked defense in the NFL, I know 12 overall or whatever they are, isn't amazing, but it's not the problem spot. Um, mm-hmm. I think just add another cook to the kitchen, throw, throw some fire on a greased up skillet or throw some water on a greased up skillet. And <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, He's a good player, though. Uh, he is big city. He fits Dallas's energy. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I I think if they shored up their defense, they were going to win that division, but they had a very prime pick to do that and didn't. So, yeah. If, if, I, if I was Dallas that pick, um, I'm with you on, like, the whole evaluation. If I'm Dallas that pick, I see uh, Horn and Sertainer off the board. I'd probably trade down a little bit, um, trade down to 18, 19, 20, that range, um, some get you a little more draft capital and then take news on, but yeah, cause some team would have traded with the Dallas Cowboys to pick the <laughs> next player. We'll talk about Justin Fields. It <laughs> happen. Someone traded up. Um, Dallas could have capitalized on that. And I mean, what they need is capital. They don't need a stud linebacker because I mean, a lot of teams have a great line. The Seahawks defense was bad. They had Bobby Wagner, but their defense was bad. Um, yeah, I think more picks instead of high-value talent would have been better for Dallas, but I'm not the front office. Uh, anyways, Justin Fields, you can lead off this one. Justin Fields. I mean, you already know what I think of him. I think he should have slid no no further than number three. Um, realistically, should have been number two, but um, I love the pick for the Bears. I think they, they absolutely killed it there. They gave up a lot to trade up. But if there's a player like him at a position of need for the Bears, at such an important position of need, there's no way you pass up that opportunity. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised. For the first time in their franchise's history, they finally nutted up and mm-hmm. were aggressive in the draft. And I love it. As someone that lives in Chicago, I will be getting a Justin Fields Bears jersey I can promise you that the bears are my favorite NFC team just by coincidence, because I live in Chicago, they have by default become my NFC team. So that was very fun for me. Um, But my take on Justin Fields, obviously we've talked about his like undeniable upside. I think he is skilled enough to be an NFL starter, obviously. And I think he's skilled enough to be an NFL star starting quarterback. The craziest thing about this pick though, if he went to Denver, he would have been, at best, he would have been the second or third best quarterback in that division. That normally doesn't win. Right now, I mm-hmm. think he enters that division as the second or third best quarterback, depending on how you want to rank Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins and Justin Fields. Yeah. His rookie year, he'll be somewhere in there. But he might be moving a spot up if Aaron Rodgers decides <laughs> that Green Bay is a lost cause, which is crazy. Justin Fields in two years – there's a very distinct possibility that Justin Fields will be the best quarterback in that division in two years, which is what you draft for. And Mm -hmm. I think the bears got it right. 
I am very proud of Ryan Pace for the first time <laughs> ever. Yeah. yeah, they they finally got one right. And you know who else you can say that about this year? Huh. I think you can say that about the Eagles this year as well. Mm. I think I think they got it right. I I'm not huge on Devontae Smith personally, but um, to that effect, uh, that being said, the fans can't complain about this one. You're right. It's the Eagles, highest, Eagles yeah. fans are notoriously harsh um, for obvious reasons, yeah, but especially strange. after the recent drafts. But they they cannot complain about Devontae Smith there. That's the best receiver on the board. It wasn't a reach. It wasn't Jalen Rager when Justin Jefferson was still on the board. <laughs> um, there's you you can't complain about that pick. I agree. Um, I think that's a. I think it was a good pick. I am more of a Jalen Waddle fan than a Devonte Smith, as the draft reflected. I think that was a good pick for Miami. I didn't really have a lot to say about it. I think Miami kind of killed the draft. Jalen Waddle yeah. was a good pick for Tua, if they're staying with Tua, which they are. Um, Devonte Smith, you're asking him to be prime to Sean Jackson as far as body type goes. He is yeah. a lot faster and a better route runner than T. Jackson ever was, at least at that. I don't. Stage. I don't know if I would say faster. Um, but maybe definitely faster, a better right, route runner. You're right, you're right, you're right. Maybe, maybe not faster, but he was, he is certainly more of an elite route runner. And I think that's more important for a quarterback that doesn't have as much arm talent as some of the others in the league. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think Jalen Hurts has a howitzer. Um, he's more of a go through his reads point guard kind of quarterback instead of a Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And you need elite route running to do that because it doesn't matter how much separation you get downfield. You're not corners will be able to catch up to you if you don't have the arm to get it there. So I think if you get a a receiver that can get you five or six yards of separation, eight yards down the field, that's what you need. Um, So I like the pick. I I really do. Um, Okay. We can talk about the middle of the first round. A lot of teams that were eight and eight and will probably stay eight and eight. Um, I didn't have any super picks. I thought the wide receiver that uh, the giants took was weird. Uh, what was his name? Kadarius Tony. That's it, right? Yeah, From he's he's one of the um, li- li- yeah, living in Florida, I come across a lot of UF fans. Right. Um, a lot of them love him. Um, yeah, I mean that. Me, that- not so much. <laughs> a lot. Of, they they think he can become the next Tyree Kill, and don't get me wrong, it's not out of the question. I mean, no one can beat Tyree Kill, um, but he would have the best shot at doing so. Um, the issue with him, though, it seems like is his hands. I don't think he's got the hands to really be a weapon. I think he could could just fizzle out like a Corey Coleman. And the problem with that is you're catching passes from Daniel Jones, who's not the <laughs> most accurate thrower. I mean, he's he's not a he's not an inaccurate passer, but he's definitely not an Aaron Rodgers type where he will put it on your chest. And if you're asking your receivers to go up and get it, like he did with Kenny Galladay, or not with Kenny Galladay with um, uh, uh, Darius Slayton and mm-hmm. um, whoever the other wide receiver they had was uh, I, I don't recall but if you're asking wide receivers to make plays on the ball I don't know if this guy can do that which is why they got Kenny Galladay right that's the whole reason they went yeah. and got a jump ball receiver um, mm-hmm. you drafted a burner for and there is there is a place for speed guys in the NFL I'm just curious to see how it works out because I don't think wide receiver was what the Giants needed um, anyways, whatever that brings us to 
pick, what, what did the Browns have? 26? Yes, 26. 26. Greg Newsom, um, you can lead this one off because I've, I've got some thoughts about it as well. Um, uh, it, it took a little bit to grow on me. Um, I, heard, I heard the pick. I was like, okay, well, that's not JOK, um, who was, he was my top player on the board there. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, he ended up sliding and it, it ended up working out. Um, but I think, I think the Newsom pick was good and not just because, uh, the other player that I wanted ended up falling to us at two. Um, and I know it wouldn't have been the case if we'd gone JOK. I know Greg Newsom wouldn't have fallen. Um, but I would honestly argue that corner was more of a need for us than linebacker. Um, and for that reason, I love it. I think, I think Barry did a great, great job of addressing the weakest part of our team this offseason. Just, li- just like he did last year with offensive line. Um, he's done that this year with the DBs. And right. I didn't even think. All about I, that. Yeah. All I can say is that the Browns are very lucky to have found him and that no one else could snag him up before we did. Andrew Barry has killed it. Killed it two offseasons in a row. He's lucky that Baker's on a rookie contract and he's very lucky that Baker <laughs> took, picked up, or they picked up his fifth year option. So you're not paying him franchise money for two more years. But um, my take on Greg Newsom, obviously if we rewind two years, I was amped about the greedy Williams pick as many people were, and he was fine his, his rookie year, but nerve damage in mm-hmm. his shoulder, that's a big question mark. And if he comes back uh, ready to go at an elite level that he was projected to play at, then I have no complaints with stacking the cornerback room. I mean, yeah. think about who the Browns were playing with last year and like MJ Stewart and <laughs> no shade to MJ Stewart. He showed out in the playoff game against Pittsburgh, but uh, a lot of moving pieces at corner. Um, AJ Green, not not that AJ Green, but the other. <laughs> AJ Green. Yeah. Robert Robert Jackson. Exactly. Not to be, uh, yeah. A lot of ignored. <laughs> a lot of PFF one thirteen out of one twenty sixes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so if greedy comes back, you have a really, really deep cornerback room and I expect him to, but what I liked about the Greg Newsom pick, obviously corner is an issue. I agree with you. I'm surprised he fell that far. And I don't think a lot Mm -hmm. of media members or fans watched a lot of Greg Newsom just because of the market he played in sec is known for their cornerback play. And I get that. That's fine. Um, he played for Northwestern, which is not a traditional power. I, they were in the big 10 mm-hmm. this year, but like COVID year it's Northwestern, uh, big Ten's not allowing fans, not really big TV markets. No one really saw Greg Newsom play and no one saw the flashy interception highlights from Greg Newsom, but that's because no one threw at him, which is what you want in a lockdown corner. Right. I, I, if I, if I'm remembering correctly yeah. from that Ohio state Northwestern game, cause I did watch that live. Um, Justin Fields mm-hmm. was having a very hard time finding any rhythm with Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson, whichever one was on the strong side on that series. Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, so I know this Northwestern defense is good. Um, obviously they were top 10, I think in college football, which was very good for Northwestern, like shout out, mm-hmm. uh, shout out, um, Evanston, Illinois, but <laughs> Justin Fields, when he was not connecting with those guys, was throwing at a first round corner uh, in Greg Newsom, who was giving him fits. And 
if you can give the, in my opinion, second best quarterback in the draft class, I agree with you. L, um, that's what you want in your corner. And yeah, that's when they had to give Trey Sermon the ball for 300 yards because Justin Fields could not push the ball to his receivers because of Greg Newsom's play. So I was a big fan of it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it will elevate the Browns on the outside of the field, and I'm excited to see him play. Okay. Yeah. Um, those are the those are the highlights of the first round, in my opinion. Um, I think Rashawn Slater going to the Chargers was an incredible pickup. Yeah. But other than that, uh, hop on PFF or Bleacher Report and read their draft ratings. I agree with them. Yeah. Everyone, um, one more, one was, more player. Oh. Um, there's actually two more that I that I just want to address really quickly. Oh, yeah. um, I think Leatherwood was a little bit of a reach. I do think he was a good tackle, but a little bit of a reach. Um, um, but I, <laughs> I trust trust Gruden and Mayock. I guess. Um, they reached but, um, for Damon Arnett and they reached for Josh Jacobs and they reached for Clellan Farrell. Yeah. And they've been eight and eight, three years in a row. Like <laughs> at what point, at one point do you say, okay, this is your fourth year, John start actually fixing <laughs> things. I don't know. Do yeah. you trust him? I don't. Mm, I mean, not really. They've been good at picking up talent later in the draft. Um, that is true. That's very but- true. Whether Weatherwood was a first round pick, um, should he have been? Probably not. You probably honestly would have fell to them at their second round pick, unless since he would have scooped him up. Um, that would that would have been the only team I'd have been worried about as the Raiders taking Weatherwood. Um, I would have bet since he would have taken that left tackle from Notre Dame that um, the Dolphins took, right? Oh yeah, whatever his name was. Um, I, I think that's I know who you're talking. About. The name escapes me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It starts with an L. Um, mm-hmm. whatever. whatever, whatever. But yeah, I think he would have fallen to the Raiders in the second round, and they wouldn't have had to trade up to get that safety, that that TCU safety. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they which made- which was a good pick. I think it was actually. I think so too. But if you take him in the first round, I think it made sense because he did slip. That's why they had to trade up for him. I think mm-hmm. Brotherhood would have been there in the second because the teams that yeah. needed tackles would have drafted them by now. This wasn't a big tackle need this draft. Like the two yeah. tackles, the few got them. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Who's your second? The, pick? Um, the second pick I want to highlight, and I think it was actually a really good pick um, as a Browns fan. I say, unfortunately um, was Bateman Bateman to the uh, Ravens. I think that was probably one of the top five picks of this draft, um, like team player fit uh, wise. I think another weapon for Lamar Jackson, uh, a reliable weapon, because um, we all know Hollywood Brown has has iffy hands um, at times. It's complimentary. But I think I think the Ravens killed it with that pick. I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> oh yeah, no, for sure. I don't, that's, that's why I didn't have it on my, on my notes because I didn't think there was anything to criticize about it. I thought it was a great pickup actually while we're on the topic, I know I started to segue into our second segment, but while we're still on uh, first round picks, uh, Travis ETN, I, a lot of people were mad online about it and probably for good reason. Like James Robinson is a very talented running back top 15 in the league. Um, I'd say best undrafted running back probably of all time, at least in recent memory. In recent memory, for sure. Uh, oops. Sorry. If you heard my notification, I got a uh, 
I got to fill out my renter's agreement to renew my lease. Uh, anyways, um, Travis Etienne, James Robinson, he's a very good back. I'm not questioning that. However, if we look in recent history at the idea of the bell cow running back, um, Christian McCaffrey gets hurt. Ezekiel Elliott is not the same player he once was. And so I think this is the best thing for James Robinson, actually, because he stays healthier um, and you have a very talented running back room. So if for whatever reason he gets cut or gets traded, there will be value to that uh, because people know he is talented and it's not, he didn't get benched because he was untalented. He got benched because he's in a two running back system. But I think if the Jags use ETN and James Robinson in a, uh, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb fashion. I think that would be very smart because James Robinson. Be great. James Robinson is a lot like Kareem Hunt, or uh, sorry, is a lot like Nick Chubb. Kind of mm-hmm. notes to the ground, run off your tackles, kind of thing. Travis yep. Etienne can run up the middle like Kareem Hunt very well, but he can also catch passes out of the backfield like Kareem Hunt can. And I would argue that mm-hmm. he's one of the best pass catching running backs in the NFL. So I think they set themselves up pretty well offensively. Uh, people are going to disagree with that. I actually think it was a, it was an okay pick. I didn't mind it, especially with the draft yeah. that the Jags had. I wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but um, I can see where, why they're trying to get weapons for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Okay. Um, any others that really set off light bulbs? I thought most teams in the first round did pretty well. Like I thought top to bottom, yeah. this was a good draft. Um, generally there weren't many misses. I think Micah Parsons was kind of a miss. I would have traded out of that pick. I think Alex Leatherwood was a little bit of a miss, a little bit of a reach. Um, I will say, I will say, I think the Packers miss. Um, oh yeah, franchise I, quarterback wants out, and then you don't pick him a receiver. I agree. That's a completely uh, different issue, though. That's yeah, mm-hmm. and they drafted the second best corner out of Georgia. Like they didn't even yeah. they didn't draft the best corner. Out I of believe Georgia. he was projected late second round pick. Yeah, so they reached, um, they reached for the second best quarterback corner, excuse me, out of that school. Uh, the Jags, <laughs> the other one, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, um, that's not ideal. We could we could do a little special episode about Aaron Rodgers as that, as that <laughs> situation develops probably in the next week. I mean, it feels yeah. like metal's about to pop. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that. We can talk about that as a special episode. But yeah, I don't think they did Aaron any any favors. Uh, they did get Amari Rogers in the second, which I think is great value. They've done a pretty good job of getting second round value in um, Devontae Adams was a second round pick. Jordy Nelson was a second round pick. Yeah. I think Randall Cobb was a second round pick. Uh, so they got in value. Yeah, he was. But, but you could have gotten a first round wide receiver just to show Aaron like, hey, we actually still support you, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. We care about you being our quarterback. Anyways, uh, any other players that you want to talk about? Um, no, not really anyone else that struck any light bulbs. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the, uh, that's the, uh, the recap of the first round of the draft. Uh, we can talk second through seventh round if you want, but the first round draft picks are the ones with the biggest hype out of college. Uh, the ones that are the most developed prospects, second, second round through seventh round, even in the second round, you close your eyes and you pray and you hope that it hits. But if it doesn't, you're not going to be like, we burned a first on this guy. Um, so Instead of going through the second round, we're going to go through the rest of the Browns draft picks. And let's start with Jeremiah Usukoromoa because, oh my God, Andrew, <laughs> Bay, I don't know how he did it, um, but 
I was I was mad online when I passed on him in the first round because yeah. um, I was like, in my opinion, you thought corner was their main need. I thought linebacker was their need. I do I do understand they did sign Anthony Walker, and we'll get to the free agent signings of the Browns later. But um, I thought linebacker was a little more important. Uh, that's just a personal thing, though. And so I was a little upset, but I was like, Greg Newsom, good pick. And then they traded up, and I was like, oh, my God, it's happening. Um, so, JOK. Uh, yeah, I mean, Butkus Award winner. You got anything yeah, to you, about it? I mean, probably. I mean, there's absolutely no complaints about that. Um, he was a guy I was worried about falling to Cleveland in the first round. And for him to not just fall to Cleveland in the first round, but fall to us in the second round, you can't complain about that. Um, um, I know there was a reason. Um, I believe it was, what was it a heart issue? Maybe the heart issue, but um, the doctors cleared him. I, yeah. I believe science. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it was a great pick and I don't know what Andrew Barry had to do. I don't know if he bribed every GM in the league to pass on him in the second round. <laughs> um, but whatever he did, it worked. I agree. Um, and that's the second year in a row we've gotten a mid to late first round talent in the second round. Uh, if you think back to Grant Delpit, Grant last Delpit? Year. yeah, yeah, man, it's a shame that he got hurt. We'll address that later in the show as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, here's my outlook for JOK. Um, obviously, the nation thinks he's the best linebacker in the country, winning the Budkus mm-hmm. Award. I can project him. He's not a run stuffing linebacker. I no. Mean, He's not that uh, linebacker for the Colts. What's his name? Um, uh, Leonard. Darius Leonard. Uh, Darius Leonard. That's it. Uh, he's not a Darius Leonard type. Um, he's not a prototypical linebacker build. Maybe that's why he fell, because he's not undersized, but he's a little lankier than stout mm-hmm. for the linebacker position, um, which I don't think is a problem. Personally, I like no. that. Um, I would say he projects somewhere between Harrison Smith uh, for the bikes and Jamal Adams, um, that kind of energy, the doesn't fit into either linebacker or safety, but can play both proficiently. Um, he's a, I'd say he's more of a safety body with a linebacker's instinctiveness. Uh, yeah. And there's and think, no problems with that at all. I think that's great. Um, I'm very mm-hmm. excited for that. All right. Anthony Schwartz, I'll start this off. Um, and then I'll let you talk about the Browns fourth rounder first, but Schwartz, uh, track star. He ran what, like a four, three, two, something like that. Four, three, four. It was in the four threes. It's absolutely insane. Like pretty low four threes. If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't remember Cleveland drafting a, a burner in recent memory, mostly because they've never been in a position where they can afford to use a pick on a burner. Most of the time they're using picks on tackles and tight ends and quarterbacks and running quarterbacks. Back. Yeah. 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 They have never had a real need to go out and get someone that can beat you over the top. But the only way you can have a burner in the NFL is if you have a legitimate offensive line and an accurate quarterback with a decent arm. And I think the Browns check off all three of those boxes, obviously and- their offensive line top three in the league. I would also argue that it's important if you're going to draft a burner that you also have weapons underneath. Um, and yeah. as, as everyone really knows, the Browns have a plethora of them. So I think it'll open I think up it was a great pick. Routes. It'll open up crossing routes for juice and OBJ. Um, mm-hmm. 
I think he will kind of fill the role of DPJ. I'm hoping that Donovan Peoples-Jones can get more into a route tree this year instead of being the down-the-field threat because he has the body yeah. to be a like one of those 15-yard reception kinds. He is tall yep. and lanky like a Michael Thomas. Um, <clears throat> I don't see him as a slot guy. I see him more as an outside receiver that can make deep crossing routes, uh, 15 yards, second and, second and 13 kind of receiver. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Schwartz is a 35 yard down the field bomb kind of guy, or you can yeah. get, he's a Deshaun yeah. Jackson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or really, really sick bubble screens with him. Um, oh yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I think we have a very talented wide receiver room. And I think as he proved last year, Hollywood's going to be, um, he's going to be, it's going to be good to have him back. Uh, especially <laughs> if injuries happen, obviously knock on wood, they don't, but Higgins can play both sides outside and if I'm remembering correctly, he has played some slot. I um, believe so. Yeah. So he's a very versatile wide receiver, a Swiss army knife, not the fastest, mm -hmm. not the best route runner, but can play every spot and has a track record of good health. So I think that's what you want in a wide receiver room. Don't need to talk yep. about Ethan OBJ, they're elite, but I think that addition really opens up their playbook. Um, I agree. All right. Togi, I, I know you're a big I, fan. Of pick. I think that was such a great pick. Um, and I know it's not fair to compare, um, rookies to, you know, transcendent talents, uh, currently in the game. Um, but it's, it's hard to not see the similarities between Togi coming out of college and Aaron Donald coming out of college. At least it's possible, um, right? Yeah. Just physical in terms of just physical prospects. Um, Togia didn't really have as much production, um, but, you know, a slightly undersized defensive tackle, nose tackle, um, but as strong as just about anyone on the, in the world. Um, he's a freak of nature, and I think you get that in the fourth round, you, you can't complain about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's one of those you draft the best guy available and you wonder how he fell to you. Uh, and he tackle mm -hmm. is a position of need for Cleveland, apparently. Yep. <laughs> um, so I think it's a great pick. He'll be in rotation for sure First, as a rookie. I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that gets 15 snaps a game. I think he will be in a serious rotation. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I like to pick a lot, obviously. Undersized, maybe slightly, but it's more about the size of the – the fight and the dog and the size of the dog and the fight or whatever. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, but he was a day two guy that got picked in the fourth round. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he fell a day, right? It was second, yeah. and, you... second and third rounds are day two and then fourth, fifth, sixth. Mm -hmm. the day th yeah. So he did fall a day. I think it was great value at that position in the draft. And that's what you draft for once you get past the third round. Yeah. So I thought that was great value. Any highlights you want to make in fifth through seventh? Not particularly. I think they're great players and could contribute down the road, but as is the nature with late round picks, um, who even knows if they'll be on the roster come week one. Um, yeah. So one pick we can I revisit that at a later date. Um, I am hear worried about how they're performing. I'm excited about um, Demetric Felton. Mm -hmm. I like that one. Actually. A running back that has the uh, LaViscus Chenault, Cordero Patterson energy of he can line up 
uh, as a wide receiver or as a running back, kind of a Swiss army knife. I feel like he could, he could be fun in some, in some red zone sets. Uh, yeah. He's obviously not going to take the position of Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt, but um, for the upside he provides as a weapon for Baker, I think that's a lot of value in the seventh round. Um, so I like that pick, but you know, cross your fingers and see. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, obviously first round picks have even busted in the past before for Cleveland. I think of Corey Coleman and that <laughs> what's his, that corner that they took. Um, oh, Justin Gilbert, Justin Gilbert. Yeah. Oh God, that draft, <laughs> Justin Gilbert and Johnny Manziel. Wow. <laughs> wow. I can't believe I ever thought that was even a decent draft. I, <laughs> yeah, we're not going to wow. that. We're not going to reopen that wound. But my point <laughs> is, um, the offseason is not only draft, it's also free agency. And let's give Andrew Barry and company some more props because I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know what I don't know who they bank with, if it's a Swiss Army, not Swiss Army, if it's a Swiss bank, whatever those are called. I don't know where he gets the money to do this. Um, I don't know. Some some GMs are better at managing the cap than others. You look at the Texans right now, they are in <laughs> cap uh hell. And it does not feel like they have a lot of alternatives right now at any position. Um, the Browns have done a very good job at managing cap. So have the Buccaneers, but yeah, we yeah, do. Uh, very surprising. My point is Andrew Barry rocks, and let's start with some of his offseason acquisitions. John Johnson the third was the best free agent signing in the entire offseason, except for maybe for any team. Lot. Maybe no, I I would argue John Johnson is. Especially a better filling a position, need. yeah. I mean, filling a position of great, great need um, with what a top five, top three option at that position for less than what he was offered by other teams. Yeah, when have the Browns ever gotten players wizardry pay cuts? <laughs> when have the Browns ever gotten he, players that take pay cuts? That never, happened. never, never. Um, but he wanted to play for Cleveland. So I, I think overall, I think we're seeing a shift in uh, how people look at the Browns. Some Browning um, yeah. Um, the one thing I like about John Johnson, obviously uh, his PFF grade reflects how elite he is as a mm-hmm. player when the play is going on. Um, but a lot of players are great during the play. What John Johnson brings to Cleveland's defense that I don't think is talked about enough he was a captain on the Rams' defense last year. The best defense in the NFL, in my opinion, if not best top two or three. Um, not only was he a captain on that team, he was the defensive play caller or the best. <laughs> as a safety. Yeah. And that is very rare. He's a very intelligent player. And I'm always like, yeah, football guy, the guy that hits the hardest <laughs> or whatever. But uh, John Johnson brings a lot of cerebral energy um, to a Browns secondary that desperately needed it with the departure of um, employee number 23. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Um, I think that's something that people underrate about John Johnson. I think that's great. I think it's exciting. Um, and yeah, furthermore, I, I guess Andrew Barry's best friends with, whoever is the GM for the Rams. I should know, but I don't. Um, Troy Hill, cornerback was a position of need. They got one in the draft and in free agency and depth at that position will always be needed because 
yeah is one of the positions that is notoriously unreliable health wise especially as seeing as how we were absolutely decimated by cornerback injuries last year that Robert Jackson had to be a starter for a couple weeks. Um, That should tell you all you need to know. Like in they all played like all of these like practice squad reserve guys started in a playoff game. Like that is enough. Um, Cause that was the game when Denzel Ward had COVID, right? Like, he wasn't even playing against Pittsburgh or am I wrong? Um, I believe he was back for the playoff game, but he did miss the week 17 game that okay. got us into the playoffs. Point is, if um, I'm remembering correctly. Sure. Point is corner was a position depth. at corner was needed. And I think mm-hmm. they got that um, we can talk about it now. I think Troy Hill fits the defensive scheme really well. I think, um, Joe Woods doesn't run a a four three four. That's not the scheme he runs. He runs mm-hmm. a lot of nickel and dime packages, a lot of four two fives and four one sixes. So if you can sprinkle these DBs across the field, I'm thinking Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward on the outside, Troy Hill as a nickel corner, um, and then uh, John Johnson out back with Ronnie Harrison, uh, Grant Delpit in rotation, Greedy Williams in rotation. That's an elite DB room. That's a far cry from where it was last year. Yeah. I mean, you asked Denzel Ward to shut down. um, uh, What's his name in Pittsburgh? Uh, Claypool. Fine. Mm -hmm. But Pittsburgh, the one thing they do really well historically has been drafting wide receivers. I don't know what it is. But every wide receiver that Pittsburgh drafts seems to hit. Um, going back to Antonio Brown in the sixth or seventh, um, mm-hmm. Heinz Ward, Santonio Holmes, mm-hmm. they have always had elite wide receiver play. And for Cleveland to be able to address that gap, I think was incredible. I think they had a great offseason. Yep. Uh, you want to talk one about one more, one oh. big free agent, though, that I do want to mention. I think Jadeveon Clowney, uh, obviously great talent, um, oh, yeah. but the, the uh, he's it's been more up for debate the past couple of years. Um, but I think it was a great pickup, especially for the price it was and what a one year deal. Um, I agree. Yeah, I was just about to ask you to, to get into some of our defensive end and defensive tackle signings. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that was a great pickup. Um, I also really like the addition of Tack McKinley. Um, I think if he's actually committed to turning his career around, that would that'll end up being a very underrated piece because not just is it depth in case of injury at defensive end, um, but also he's gonna he's gonna move in for some rotations. Um, oh, could yeah, we yeah. potentially see a, a pass rush set of Miles Garrett on the inside and McKinley and Clowney <laughs> on the outside? I don't know, Um, but, but moral of the story is that um, Joe Woods has a lot of new toys to play around with. Um, He can be very creative now. I think so too. And I'm excited to see how JOK fits into that scheme as well, because um, I, I don't know if he's listed as a Mike or a Will linebacker, um, but I think an outside linebacker, if he's more of a coverage guy, um, I think 
this defense now stacks up really, really well against the main competition in the AFC, that being Kansas City, who just retooled their offensive line, and Buffalo, who just grabbed Emmanuel Sanders, um, obviously has Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, MVP candidate. So I think creating this no-fly defense was the right direction. The question mark that I have, though, is how this defense stacks up against Baltimore. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? I think it'll be interesting to see. I think we have um, enough depth just about everywhere. I think someone who's going to come in, like, is going to really come in handy against Baltimore was one of our more underrated free agent pickups. Um, And that's going to be Anthony Walker. I think Anthony Walker was one of – he'll end up being probably the best unheralded pickup uh, for the Browns this year. If they tried out a 4-2-5, he'll be a starter. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he and JOK will be the two starters. I think the depth at linebacker will be um, Jacob Phillips and Sione Takitaki. And I would love to keep Mac Wilson around. I don't know if you will, but he's a team player. Maybe they see value. Yeah. But. yeah um, I would, I would honestly think that if on obvious passing downs, if you go with the, um, the four, two, five, um, it would have to be JOK and Takitaki. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if JOK plays how he's expected to, um, to start his career. I don't see how you can sit him in any sort of situation. Um, but I think he could also end up as one of the five in a four, two, five. I think um, he could too. I think he could line up at strong safety if we need. Um, and in that case, you have enough DBs to cover the weapons you need to cover for Baltimore. Um, as well as having a guy like him who can honestly roam around, um, disrupt Lamar Jackson's timing with his receivers. If he's in coverage, he could, he could honestly act as a quarterback spy. I think the possibilities with him are endless. I think, I think we're not stacked up perfectly uh, against Baltimore, but I think, I think it's going to be very good, especially grabbing another cornerback in Greg Newsome um, and Troy Hill. And then John Johnson at safety. Um, So that, that kind of goes a long way towards negating uh, their addition of Bateman. I agree. Uh, I, I totally, totally agree. Uh, it's a, it's a shame to lose the two defense starting defensive tackles, mm-hmm. the free agency and um, just letting Sheldon Richardson go. Oster, cat casualty. Yeah. Cat casualty. You got to get cheaper at some positions, especially when you're paying, um, Jack Conklin and Austin Hooper, a lot of money from last year's free agency pool. You're not paying John Johnson and Troy Hill as much as they probably would get on the market, but you're still paying them more than what they would be making on their rookie deal. Um, you're paying a lot of guys. And so you got to get cheaper somewhere. That's why I really like the Tommy Togi I pick. And I really like the, um, the pickup of the defensive tackle they got from the Eagles. Um, Jackson, Malik Jackson. What's his name? I yeah, Malik Jackson. Should have done my homework a little bit. Um, but I think those are two very underrated pickups for the interior defensive line. And I think they're picked very purposefully. So, um, yeah, two run stoppers 
for not a lot of money, definitely cheaper than Sheldon Richardson and Ogan Joby. Uh, but yep. yeah, I mean, only time will tell, but yeah, they, they I think it's a slate good. downgrade now, but um, worth it to address other positions of greater need. I agree. I, I completely agree. Uh, so uh, do you have anything else about Brown's coverage that you want to jaw about? Not particularly. Uh, so what if, how about we move over to the other team in Cleveland? How about it? And <laughs> not the Cavs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, that's, that's a team that's rebuilding. Um, they're not super fun. Just to watch. brutal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do like their point guard and shooting guard combo. Um, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Kevin Love was uh, problematic like a week ago. I don't know. That's yeah. I, just have enough respect for Kevin Love to just trade him already. Um, that's my advice to the Cavs. I agree. You're, you're wasting his career. I agree. It's sad. It's sad to see as a Kevin Love fan. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, but that's all the uh, the Cavs talk we'll throw at you. We'll talk yep. some, uh, some tribe baseball now to round off this episode. Um, yeah. Uh, right now, as of May 7th, this is recorded at 6.25 p.m. Central Time, so 30 minutes before their, maybe an hour before their game. Right now, they sit first place in the American League Central with a division. Play that, about that. Yeah, the White Sox, who were one of my picks to go to the World Series this year. So it's early, sure. Um, but I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say they won the Lindor trade because Francisco Lindor is too talented to be Still so early. Trade. Yeah. But right now I am reveling in it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like the pieces they got from that trade. I do like Andres Jimenez and I do like Ahmad Rosario. Uh, I think they are both mm-hmm. plug and play guys. Um, but I think the biggest MVP for this year for Cleveland, I'm Shane Bieber. Yeah. He, he's great. Um, the back the most unheralded M- MVP, <laughs> the back end of the bullpen has been nails. And Cleveland in this in this series against Kansas City, they just had a four game sweep of KC. They had three come from behind wins in the sixth inning, fifth or sixth inning or later. So they weren't they didn't fall behind in the first or second. Um, they fell behind and stayed behind for a lot of the game. And if the bullpen let the wheels come off, they they're not sitting in first right now. Um, the back end, the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning guys have been incredible. Um, yeah, there's you. You can't complain about them as as a tribe fan. Uh, absolutely no complaints there. Um, but I think I think one piece that is going to be very underrated is a guy who recently just made his big league debut. Actually, and that'd be Nick Sandlin. Ooh, um, I got it. I think he's. I think he could end up as like a great uh, player in like the fireman type role. Uh, filled by Andrew Miller in that World Series run. Um, he's cool under pressure. He'll throw. He'll come at you from different arm, arm angles. Uh, a lot of different pitches. Everything moves. Um, I think he could end up being a, a really big piece of this bullpen. Yeah, I can totally see that. And I think Cleveland needs a little juice in that bullpen. Not to say they don't have it already, but you can't have too many cooks in the kitchen in a bullpen. And that's what Cleveland has done pretty well. Mm-hmm. If you remember the days of bullpen mafia in like 2013 with like Tony Sip and um, what was <laughs> Chris name? Perez and Vinny Pistano. Vinny Pistano. Yeah. 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 
Um, <laughs> going back to the glory days of early 2010, Indians <laughs> bullpenning, they've been pretty consistently solid at the back end of games. And Emmanuel Classe, 101 mile an hour cutter, is untouchable. James Kennedy has, I think, the most tantalizing curve. It almost looks like a oh. ball. Um, <laughs> and Brian Shaw, old man Uncle Brian. Um, <laughs> I remember myself. Someone probably has some sound bites of me being mad online at that guy in 2017. Oh, absolutely. Probably um, so, sure. Um, but um, he has really pulled it in this year. And I realized 30 games in, small sample size, but he's thrown like 12 or 13 innings, has not given up a run. Um, I really like his consistency this year. Um, I used to get mad at him a lot um, in his previous stint with the Tribe. Um, because you tend to you tend to only re- like notice his bad games. You only remember um, the bad ones. Yeah, that's that's how I saw him a few years ago. Because he wasn't a closer; he was a setup man. Right. You don't you don't remember setup men unless they and unless they're either James Karen Chapter Class A with just incredible stuff um, that's just so fun to watch, um, or if they blow a lot of games. And the thing with Shaw was. 85% of the time, he was locked down, um, and he was a great setup man. But that 15% of the time, um, that's what people tend to remember. And I, I like how he's done a much better job this year of being consistent, consistently good. Yeah, in the sixth and seventh innings, which is what you're asking for a guy that's a little older. He's lost a little bit of juice on his fastball. He can still run it mm-hmm. up there, but... You're not asking him to throw out the the seventh. You're going to give the ball to the 24-year-old fireballer um, in the eighth inning. Uh, And I think he's serving his role really well. Um, If I remember correctly from when he was with Cleveland that first time, in the World Series year in 2016 and then 2017, I'm pretty sure he led the bullpen in innings pitched both years by a considerable amount, like 50-some or 60 something, a, a lot of it. Yeah. Um, he would, he would absolutely pitch in every series at least once. So maybe that finally caught up with him towards the end of those seasons, which was unfortunate. But if you're asking him to throw the seventh, hopefully he's not having to throw as many innings. He can take care of his body a little bit better. Um, and then when he's in, he's nails. So I've really liked the yes. Brian Shaw this year. Yeah. The, those, those few years in the past too, he was, he was the Andrew Miller role. He was the fireman um, because we really didn't have that many great arms. Uh, that's when our bullpen was really one of our biggest weaknesses, if not our biggest weakness. Um, and so that's I think having Andrew Miller, but yeah, continue. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I think with the depth in our bullpen now, he's not going to be overworked. Um, so we will continue to see that consistency. At least I hope so. Um, and it's early. I think I think the bullpen is a huge bright spot for the tribe this year. I agree. Um, offense could use a little juice. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am pleasantly surprised with the two San Diego boys, uh, Fran Mill and Josh Naylor. I think they've been swinging oh, yeah. well. Fran Mill Reyes is just one of those people that's so fun to watch. Reminds me a lot of uh, of an Edwin Encarnacion type. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just with any swing of the bat, you know, it, you could see a tape measure blast. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, 
those guys are fun to watch. Hopefully Cleveland keeps it going. That's the goal. Not, not to mention Framo race is just about as big as, if not bigger than um, a former number one overall pick of the Browns, uh, Miles Garrett. They're <laughs> the same height, about the same weight. Uh, yeah. That's a scary sight, yeah, especially imagine, on a baseball diamond. Imagine Miles Garrett being your forehead. Or <laughs> that's crazy. Um, yeah. This team's fun though. It's a lot more fun than I would have expected. Jose Ramirez is still one of the best hitters in baseball. Um, yep. Having Eddie Rosario on Cleveland's side of the twins games is a lot of fun. I, I like that a lot. I, that's I did not like him uh, in the other dugout. Did not that's like him. <laughs> that is fun. Um, but yeah, uh, hopefully Cleveland keeps it up, but if you don't have anything else, do you have anything else? I do not. That will round out our triumphant return to spread talk. Uh, I'll leave you. We didn't talk about sports betting too much this episode, mostly because it is the off season in the NFL. One bet I will leave you with uh, Fox bet has Cleveland at nine and a half wins in an, in a 17 game season. Um, hammer the, and if you don't, if you don't take the over in that, um, you probably shouldn't listen to this podcast. Um, that's, that's what I will say. That's the closing prayer. Um, Browns <laughs> over nine and a half wins on the season. Um, call your bookie right now. But that's all we have for you guys this week's episode. Um, yeah, catch us next time with maybe an Aaron Rodgers update. Who knows? Anyways, <laughs> I'm Isaac. And I'm Will. And we will see you guys next time. Boom.